Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. Prepare to gag, yeah. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Radio Gag, the weekly Gays Against Gun show. Radio Gag is your weekly update on how to end the horror that is the American gun violence epidemic. I'm Loretta Chan. And I'm Virginia Vitsdom. This Saturday, February 1st, is the beginning of Gun Violence Survivors Week. As we heard last week on the show, survivors are invited to share their stories at this website that every town put together, momentsthatsurvive.org. The site is a lovely way to connect people who've gone through this terrible experience. It reminds me a little of the AIDS quilt. You can post stories and photos of a loved one you lost to a gun, and the site also connects people with resources from grief counseling to legal help to research. That site again, momentsthatsurvive.org. Coming up later are interviews with members of the anti-violence community organization Save Our Streets. Many of SOS's Credible Messenger members are actually gun silence violence survivors themselves from Brooklyn and the Bronx. They go out to hot spots in the neighborhood to de-escalate beefs before they turn deadly, transforming their communities as they go. It's really inspiring work. First, the latest in gun violence prevention news. This past Friday, 18 gun violence prevention organizations announced five strategies to reduce gun deaths in the United States by 50% over the next 10 years. Their five recommendations are an interesting combination of approaches to the problem. One, pass legislation to require background checks on all gun sales. This is something over 90% of Americans agree on and something that's passed the House. Waiting on you, massacre Moscow, dragging us into a dictatorship, Mitch McConnell. I hate that guy. Two, further implement extreme risk laws, a.k.a. red flag laws. These are laws that allow family members or law enforcement to petition a judge to temporarily take a gun away from someone who seems to be a risk to themselves or others. 17 states and the District of Columbia have red flags laws now. A federal law would be better. Three, get people to store guns in safer ways, unloaded, locked, and separate from ammunition. Four is brief, quote, recognize and combat the inherent danger of stand-your-ground laws, unquote. Five is to support violence intervention programs that support people at the greatest risk of being shot. Our interview with the SOS members later on explain exactly how those programs work. And more wonky news, another report. But it's one that really drills down into everything uh, everything that our guests from SOS do. This new report from the Giffords Law Center to Prevent Gun Violence finds that communities that have reason to mistrust local police have higher rates of gun violence. No surprise. But it's an important connection in terms of doing something about the problem. In many neighborhoods, police brutality, over-enforcement of minor infractions, and high numbers of unsolved shootings and homicides make residents less likely to trust the cops. That makes them more likely to seek vigilante justice. The awful stats again. African Americans make up more than half of all homicide victims in America, according to the report. 
Black men comprise less than 7% of the U.S. population, but 51% of gun homicide victims. And more than half of homicides of black Americans don't lead to an arrest, the report notes. And nearly three-quarters of all unsolved murders in these cities have involved a victim who is black. But a tiny percentage of people are doing most of the killing, and often the cops know who they are. Street groups involved in violence make up about half a percent of a city's population, with an even smaller percentage of that group actually perpetuating violent crimes. And yet, in communities across the country, including some of those hardest hit by gun violence, researchers found the following. Distrust in law enforcement, underreporting of crimes, declines in witness cooperation and engagement with officers, less informed policing, unsolved murders, and spikes in violence. Instead of acknowledging these truths, many departments uphold myths of cities described as quote-unquote, murder capitals, where residents are accused of being complacent about gun violence and unwilling to help police hold shooters accountable. We've all heard this, right? This subtle victim-blaming, even shaming, of everyone who lives in a bad neighborhood. Like, people who live there are just fine with losing friends and family members to gun violence. Jesse Janetta, a senior policy fellow at the Urban Institute, says that police need to use what they know about specific offenders in a smarter way. She says, when you are thinking of an entire community as violent, you flood neighborhoods with all kinds of enforcement. Instead, if you can identify a small number who are at an elevated risk of shooting and being shot, it opens up a number of intervention possibilities. Epidemiologists agree with her. Loretta and I watched a TED Talk by Dr. Gary Slutkin in which he used his work fighting AIDS, TB, and cholera in Africa to inform the cure violence approach, which follows an infectious disease model. For all epidemics, including gun violence, there are three steps. One, interrupt transmission. In the gun violence context, that means find the angry person. Two, prevent future spread meaning find out who else is angry and might be likely to use a gun. And three, shift the norms via violence interrupter programs like SOS. Dr. Slutkin helped Chicago design such a program for a particularly violent neighborhood. Community members went out to de-escalate, and there was a 67% drop of shooting in that area. But how exactly does that work? We talked to violence interrupter Daquan Stanley, supervisor of outreach for Save Our Streets in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. We also spoke with two teens from YoSOS, the youth branch of the organization. Save Our Streets also has sites at Bed-Stuy, as we said, and the South Bronx. The message of SOS is stop shooting, start living. They use direct intervention, neighbor to neighbor, to stop gun violence before it happens. Daquan broke it down for us. We interviewed Daquan on a cold Saturday morning after he'd done a four to midnight shift for SOS the night before. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty calm last night. You know, winter, winter, winter seasons. It, it doesn't be you know too much going on in the neighborhood. It, you know, it's a lot of in-house things. So you gotta you gotta know apartments that people you know tend to hibernate in. 
it takes us through <laughs> through many many different back blocks and all types of little cubby holes where you know people hang out and play cards and, and things of that nature. The whole thing about being an SOS worker is what makes it effective is basically you have to come from these neighborhoods, these communities for it to really work. Like, like a cop, a cop wouldn't be able to just knock on anybody go, Hey, let's, you know, can we come in and, you know, so people know us Mm. for the most part. So, yeah, if I don't know, you know, certain people, then I got a teammate that might know certain people and then we navigate, you know, through that, you know, in their mind, they thinking, hey, he's, you know, this is a guy from the community. He's coming. He's he's hanging out. That's our friend. But in the work capacity, of course, I'm always there observing, you know, listening to the conversations that's being had, finding out, you know, if any situations is brewing. Say you're in an apartment and you stumble on some information that suggests there's going to be violence. And what do you do with that information? Well, what I do with that information is if that person is not present, I look into, you know, seeking the person who's having the, the, the altercation. I look to get both parties, find out what the situation was, see how I can best mediate it. Mediations can look like I might be on the phone with someone. I might be in front of two different people. I might bring them to the office. I might take them somewhere else in public. So now that I know, you know, there's no 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 opportunity for someone to try to harm the other one. And we, you know, resolve those conflicts we just try to get down to the meat and potatoes of the situation. Why is this situation happening? You know, you know, is it about disrespect? Is it about money? Is it about a girl? Once we find out what the problem is now, you know, we'll utilize our tools on how we will best um, de-escalate the the conflict. We've been up and running for about, about 11 years. You know, so we've been operating, so they know exactly who everybody is. When SOS first started, they thought it was like some, you know, police thing where, you know, the guys are snitching, but now they know we don't really have any, you know, we don't have no no connection with law enforcement. We don't share information with law enforcement. The whole point of SOS is to, you know, to not get people arrested. It's to be the alternative to incarceration. So this is why you have formerly incarcerated brothers out here that once was the problems in the community, now we are being the solutions. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to find the most credible person in this community to, to to effectively do this job. So what makes an individual credible is basically a person that is uh, from the community or has strong ties in that community, may have had some influence in uh, gang activity, uh, someone that is known for doing certain things, like you, you, you know, we are, we might have once been a shooter, somebody that was in a community like wreaking havoc, someone that people feared, respect, and still had love for. Those make you credible because if you didn't have none of those criteria, it's like these young kids coming up, they wouldn't respect you. They like, you know, they think that. You say you just went to college all your life. You never, you never, you never was in it. They thinking to themselves, like, who are you to tell me, you know, to, to put down my gun or whatever? You don't know about my life. You don't know what I'm going through. Taquan was first incarcerated in 2008. When he got out in 2010, members of SOS first tried to recruit him, but he wasn't ready until one eventful day four years later. I believe it was May 30th, 2014. So the the guy that was trying to recruit me, which his name was uh, Derek Lateef Scott, it, it was him and rest in peace, uh, Boo LeVon Walker. Um, 
So they seen me. I was asking them about an SOS shirt because I've never had had one. You know, the whole community had them. I liked it. I liked the message, but I still wasn't really interested in being, you know, a worker as of yet. So now I finally get my shirt, right? I finally get this shirt. I'm at uh, what they call an old timer's day. I was waiting for my girlfriend to arrive. She was about, I think, six months pregnant at the time. I ran into one of my cousins. So my cousin tells me, hey, listen, you know, sit, have a drink with me real quick. Soon as I decided, all right, this is enough. I got to go. Shots rang out, you know, and I was hit. Mm -hmm. I was one of four people that got shot in the park that day. So that kind of just fast-tracked me into this SOS lifestyle that I'm living right now. One of my one of my close friends was just killed like the day before. So I didn't know if like this was like an intended target. Like if I was an intended target of something, maybe because I was from a certain side of a project, you know, the SOS guys came, of course, came to the hospital. They uh they was doing a job what they call a, a hospital responder. So what a hospital responder does is when um someone is affected by gun violence, you know, they go visit them in a the hospital, try to mediate the conflict from the hospital. Cause sometimes, you know, it's not only the person that's that's affected by the gunshot. It's also their family that's affected. And, you know, people, it'd be high tensions and things of that nature. So they go into the hospital and basically, like, just check the temperature. What's going to happen? Um, is it retaliation? And they came to see me. I basically was doing it. Like, you know, nah, I don't, I don't feel a way. I know it wasn't, you know, I know I wasn't the intended target. It was pretty much a mistake. So they liked my attitude and how I went about it. And again, tried to go with the, listen, we need you on the team. Ah, ah, ah. So LaVon Walker then, you know, started working on my paperwork while I was uh, rehabbing from the gunshot wound. I was out of work for about, I think about five to six months. In addition to the violence interruption and the hospital responders by Daquan and others like him, SOS also does community organizing and peer education that strengthens community. Yo! SOS is for youth 14 to 24. The youth design and implement programs for their peers, including creative writing workshops, mask-making activities where, you know, draw who you are and what people see when they see you, open mics, workshops on healing from gun violence and incarceration. We spoke with two teens about another practice of SOS, which is the shooting response. My name is Angie. I'm 16 years old. I'm from Bed-Stuy. My name is um, Naya. I'm 19, and yeah. My whole life I've been in Bed-Stuy, and I've been around a lot of gun violence. I've been in situations where people have literally come up to my family members and be like, okay, now y'all go in the building because it's about to happen. Or, like, duck now, or go into the car, or go in the dust garbage can. When there are shootings in our neighborhood, whether it be in Crown Heights, Bed-Stuy, we do something called shooting responses where we go outside, we rally, we protest a little bit. Um, Basically letting the community know about what happened. The shooting and... um, Who has affected. We try to get the family to come out to um, speak on, like, how who the person really was. And we try to get as close as possible, either on the exact site or close to the site, we do it 72 hours after it happened. So, you know, we try to get the community to come out and it, it, it's an effective thing because people come out their windows, people stop their cars and people, people, people stop walking us. just to stand with us and understand our message. 
Like, we really want the community to know, like, this is not what we want to happen. This is not a normal thing and that we all have to stand together. The fact that SOS doesn't work with police, I feel like it makes the community more comfortable. Um, the fact that we're on a different goal than, yeah, I feel like we're on a, two different paths. I feel like they're just ready to just stop crime. I feel like we completely want to just put an end to, like, gun violence. I love how holistic SOS is. I mean, there's the bearing witness and the connecting the community and the alternatives to incarceration. But at the same time, it's heartbreaking that these kids have experienced so much violence. It's this huge responsibility to make your own neighborhood safe without the cops and help your neighbors talk to each other. But this on-the-ground advocacy changes the advocate, too. Daquan talks about some some of the emotional work he did and the skills he developed to become a violence interrupter. SOS basically taught me how to keep my composure. You know, when we come from certain neighborhoods, we mostly use aggression to try to mediate conflicts. Now I have, you know, a little bit more skills with communicating. Instead of, you know, egging them on or making them feel like you're trying to undermine them, like you're not that tough, things like that that'll, you know, make them more aggressive. Like, what do you say to de-escalate? So basically, an example would be, like, you know, listen, you got a family out here to live for. If you if you pull this trigger, you know, you're not only going to affect that person that you're shooting, you're going to affect yourself and your family. If you get locked up in a situation, you know what I'm saying, Who who's going to take care of them? Because most of the time, people... People go through the things that they go through because they don't know how to how to get their message across. They don't, you know, they don't know how to speak. That's that's the thing in the in the neighborhood. It's like a lot of testosterone. Everybody just want to be the bigger man, but they don't they don't know how to converse. It's just a lot of misunderstandings. So you just help them understand the things that they can't understand. We asked Daquan to select the subject for the In Memoriam this week, and he chose his friend and mentor, Levon Boo Walker, another violence interrupter who, like Daquan, worked to make Crown Heights safer. Levon Boo Walker, founding member of SOS, was shot and killed in Miami in December 2016. He is survived by his wife, Marilyn, and two young children, LJ and Matthew, as well as countless mentees, close friends, and people who loved and respected him. The shooting happened close to sunrise on a Sunday morning while Levon was visiting Miami Beach on vacation. Police believe Levon was not the intended target. On the Neighbors in Action website, Levon is remembered as someone who, quote, helped shape the way we work and the values that guide us. He taught us to be bold, optimistic, and joyful as we approach our work. Perhaps most importantly, he helped establish our reputation on the street with people who have been critical to our mission. Save Our Streets simply would not be as successful as it has been at reducing violence and changing norms if it had not been for Levon. There are people in this neighborhood who are alive today because of him. 
Jaquan told us how Levon showed up for him after he had been shot. He was one of the gentlemen that came to the hospital to check on me when I was, you know, when I was shot. He was the same person that basically forced me to take this job. Like, no, you're you're gonna you're gonna work this job. Like, I need you on this team. I'm gonna put this paperwork in. So he was working tirelessly, coming to my house, basically doing all the work for me all the paperwork that's who Levon was man he was a he was a helpful guy he was really trying to make changes in his community the teams that he put together they he was he handpicked them himself and he he chose the best people for that community and I see his legacy right now everything that he he was trying to do is now coming into fruition Levon was only 30 years old at the time of his death how terribly unjust that he was working to save people from violence and yet still fell victim to the violence in the end. Rest in power, Levon. So to find out more about working with us, please go to gazeagainstguns.net or follow us at Gaze Against, Against Guns New York on Facebook and Instagram or Gaze Against Guns um, on Twitter. Also be sure to check out our website to learn more about gag chapters located nationwide, like in Orlando, LA, LA DC, Chicago, and San Francisco. And please, listeners, come to a meeting. I was really happy that we uh, we had a listener show up at a meeting uh, two weeks ago. That was uh, from from a big BAI fan. Um, we meet every other Thursday at 7 p.m. in Manhattan at the LGBTQ Center on 13th Street near 7th Avenue. Our next meeting is this Thursday, day after tomorrow. We'll be planning all kinds of great actions and protests, including a big Valentine's Day action in D.C. Um, in conjunction with Manuel and Patricia Oliver, the parents of Parkland student Joaquin Oliver. Um, so that will be something um, to check out and join in if you can make the trip with us to D.C. And remember, all are welcome to come to gag meetings. Another great way to get involved is by becoming a BAI buddy. A BAI buddy is someone who keeps our unique volunteer-run radio show going by giving a small donation every month. And really, folks, it's just a modest monthly contribution that can really help keep us on air here at BAI to bring you this live show every week. Just go to WBAI.org or call 516-620-3602 and become a BAI buddy in the name of Radio Gag. Thank you. So now it's time toward the end of the show to well, for our hell yes when we celebrate some of our favorite sheroes and heroes of the week. To Naya and Angie and Daquan for making Brooklyn safer by doing the creative, brave, and transformative hard work of SOS. Hell yeah! To Adam Schiff for telling the truth so eloquently day after day and getting all the lies and the fake trial on the record. Um... I'd also like to add in the hell yeah, everybody who is out there protesting this swarm. The Senate is down in D.C. doing beautiful work to raise the profile of, um, you know, to, to amplify the fact that the Senate, the Republican senators are ignoring 
blatantly ignoring the truth and allowing a dictatorship to take hold. Um, so to all the activists who are out there fighting in this really scary moment for our country, hell, hell yeah. yeah. Thanks for listening, and we are back next Tuesday and every Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. And don't forget, you can listen to our previous shows anytime on the WBAI website or on any major podcast platform. And thank you to you, Loretta, for being our podcast guru. (laughs) So now we leave you with our fabulous political singing quartet, Sing Out Louise. Um, Okay, I wrote this one with Mark Strohledorf before the 2018 elections. And we got the blue wave. Pretty powerful song. (laughs) So please, please let it work in November on the Senate and the White House. Vote! Taylor never spoke about how she planned to vote. Now the girl is woke. Cause the country's broke. She is not afraid to fight. Stand up for human rights. For the LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. Folks of color too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's resisting. Can't stop, she's persisting. And she is insisting. You do too, and we're all gonna be alright. All the haters full of hate, 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 hate. They don't know what makes us great, 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 great. And November is the date, 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 date. Gotta vote them out, vote them out. GOP is on the take, 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 take. Saying climate change is fake, 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 fake. While they let the planet bake, 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 bake. Gotta vote them out, vote them out. Let's fight for Medicare. The schools that need repair. We want equal pay. Mm-hmm. And no more NRA. Mm-hmm. Stand up for the law. Stand up for the law. Impeach for Kavanaugh. Screw you, Kavanaugh. They want to take our choice. Nuh-uh. Because we have found our voice. Yeah, Yeah, we're resisting. Can't stop, we're persisting. And we are insisting. You do too, and we're all going to be all right. All the haters full of hate, 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 hate. They don't know what makes us great, 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 great. And November is the date, date.